welcome to a bonus Patreon episode. Where we take a look at another Hanna-Barbera mystery-solving franchise in the format of Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. I'm your host. Exclusively for our Patreon. That says patrons. Redo all that. Alright. <coughs> welcome to a bonus Patreon episode. Where we take a look at another Hanna-Barbera mystery-solving franchise in the format of Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts exclusively for our patrons. I'm your ho- <coughs> I'm your host Amelia and I'm your host Billy. Oh, I said my name stupid. I'm your host Amelia and I'm your host Billy. And we're watching The Amazing Chan Clan. And we're watching The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. Will the we Fuck it. That's we're like 5 minutes in and I haven't gotten past the intro. That's good. The Amazing Chan Clan. <laughs> You know what? I say put this up unedited. <laughs> this uh, this last segment of just trying to get through our intro. It's is, so embarrassing. It's what the people want. It's it's because uh, I don't want to do it again. How many takes was that? And the Chan Clan. Season 1, Episode 3, Will the Real Charlie Chan Please Stand Up? Is not quite what I expected. I think that's saying the least. <laughs> because at this point in our career, we've gone through a lot of Scooby-Doo, I think is fair to say. And now through these Patreon episodes, a number of other Hanna-Ribera properties. This one feels a little different. Specifically, because there are ten goddamn children in the episode. My god, like, there are five characters in Scooby-Doo. That's a reasonable number of protagonists. Yeah, right here, will the real Charlie Chan please stand up and take a paternity test? Because, like, you are fucking too much, guy. Ten kids? Back to back to back? You've got, like, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old? That's not good for women's bodies, no, dude. Well, Put your dick away. I mean, presumably the mother did die in childbirth for some of the younger ones. You killed herself so she didn't have to have any more children. I mean, I don't, I don't. Is this a property? Like, before Hanna-Barbera comes to this, is Charlie Chan a thing? I think it's a book, possibly movie series from the 30s, okay. in, like, the vein of, like, a Nancy Drew. Right, I was gonna say, is Charlie Chan, is he Poirot? Is he, like, a Poirot here? Just some sort of world-class detective. <laughs> if Poirot got down and dirty ten fucking yeah. times, <laughs> and then dragged all his children on his mysteries yeah. with him. <laughs> like, if Poirot would not stop boning, is that Charlie Chan? Seemingly, yes. Seemingly, yes. The mustache, 
the uh, chilled laid-backness of oh how my he God. approaches everything. I'm not gonna lie, the chilled laid-back attitude that Charlie Chan has, I really like. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna do a quick search, just of the name, to see if anything comes up. Yes, uh, very much so, Charlie Chan is a fictional Honolulu police detective. Created by Earl Derbiggers for a series of mystery novels. Uh, and if I look at the years, 1919, early days. Okay, so he's Hawaiian. Interesting. Why is that interesting? I don't, well, because, you know what? It's Be a lot of Asian ancestry on Hawaii. Oh, I 100% agree. It's it's more my own biases where I see, the, I watch one episode out of context. I see it takes place in Hawaii. I assume it's a Hawaiian vacation. You know, a lot of Hanna-Barbera did Hawaiian vacation episodes. It was just the thing to do in the 60s and 70s. The only legal place to vacation. But, uh, okay, good to know this is actually home base that we're operating on here. Uh, for chronology's sake, I will give our position in time for this episode. This episode aired on September 30th, 1972. It is Season 1, Episode 3 of The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan, and it aired the same day as the Freckert Fracas in the new Scooby-Doo movies. Listeners, the way Amelia's face just changed right now. From I... a mask of serenity to that of an Oni demon, now, I have transformed at the mention of the Freckert Fracas. But here's the thing, now this puts them in a head-to-head. -head. You know, I don't know. You've got two opposing TV channels. You've got Frickert Fracas on one. You've got with the real Charlie Chan, please stand up on the other. We're going to tell listeners what they should have watched that day. And spoilers, I think it's going to be with the real Charlie Chan, please stand up. Getting punched in the throat is better than <laughs> watching the Frickert Fracas, so. It's, so it's a low bar. It's just by how much. Is this series going to top it? You know, how how many inches over the bar is it going to jump? Theme song. This is our first... Are you going to give a premise for this episode? On the episode hasn't started yet. We're still at the theme song. Okay, theme song. I'm pretty sure in the opening when all the children are running in a line, the two in front are Fred and Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> that was what you picked up. I was more on the actual song itself. There, you know, to talk about the Frickert Fracas... There are stop calling it a fracas. Fracas. The fricked fracas. Fra fracas? Fracas. Fracas. Like fracking. Like you're digging for oil. Yeah. Frickert. <laughs> Jonathan Winters. Mouth sounds. That's where I'm going for. There are a fuck ton of mouth sounds in this opening. It, uh, it's just scatting. It's just someone going like, a chant, chant, Not like that. I started making it a little bit like you gotta have faith at the end there. But it's, it's, I swear, it's jazzier, it's much more 70s. Very little George Michael in this whole episode. I, I can give a premise if you want. <laughs> what else is there left to say about the song? Well, I wanted to talk about the images that I saw as well. There yeah, was... Fred and Daphne lead the charge on the Chanclan well, children. There, w there was a spider web. And then the car changed into a lot of shapes, and then a seek was there, and then it appeared to be the cat was the one scatting. So uh, uh, who was there? A seek, a man in a turban. Aren't those called sheiks? 
Am I have I been mispronouncing it? I don't know. I might be. Someone along our having heard that word mispronounced it, and now both of us are on different sides of a fence arguing at each other. Well, then, in that case, it's best just to move on and go to the premise so we can talk about this episode in earnest. Because here's the premise, gang. The Chan clan must find the imposter who is framing Mr. Chan for the hotel robberies. Remember when they were that short? These premises didn't require subplots. <laughs> Why are they at a hotel? Th- that's the thing that makes me think it's a vacation! They live in Hawaii, but they've gone on, like, a hotel crawl. Because they're like... in, they are in vacation mode. Like, I'm honestly going to give a fashion report for Charlie Chan. Because the first time we see him, he is wearing an alternate costume. And that's what you do on vacation. You wear your alternate costumes. Are there places in Hawaii that are, like, not Hawaii enough, so people that live there have to go on vacation to just different parts of Hawaii? Maybe. Like, it's always good to get out of the house. God knows I'd love to. God knows you'd love me to. (laughs) Yeah, if you could just go ahead and book a hotel room somewhere in Toronto and piss off for a week or two, that'd be great. Yeah, wouldn't you actually, like, you would actually love that. And I think I might love it, too. (laughs) At this point, I was thinking the other day how long it's been since I've slept in a different bed. I've slept in our bed. I've slept on the couch a lot when the cat wakes me up at 4.30 in the morning and requires that I be in the living room. (laughs) It's a league requirement, Billy. You signed up for this when you chose that little fucker. Because that's the thing. When I tell people that I sleep on the couch a lot, it's nothing to do with you. We're not arguing. It's the cat. The cat kicks me out of the bedroom. There's a cat in this episode, too, so that's relevant. No, it's a dog. In no way is that a dog. I know that you saw that it was a dog, but watch the episode. That is a cat. It's a dog. (laughs) Its name is Choo Choo. (laughs) A cat can be named Choo Choo. Why does that mean it's a dog? Because it says everywhere that it's a dog. It's it's not a dog-looking dog. No, it's not, but it is a dog. I'm declaring this a cat. <laughs> Let's start there. Let's start on the choo-choo choice. I know there are more important characters, but sometimes you gotta start with the dog cat. <laughs> it It doesn't talk. No. This is, I think, our our first pet pet that doesn't speak in Hanna Barbera. Like it has a bit of that. Not even. I was gonna say like he kind of lives in his own world with his own logic, but not really. Because at one point, like, uh, the animal Choo Choo is scuba diving, like any good pet would. Uh, and they actually catch a ride with a turtle. And I'm like, okay, animals helping animals out. That's solidarity. That's its own thing. But then the children grab rides with dolphins. All of nature seems to be living in harmony here. Choo Choo also makes a very good alarm sound at one point. I thought it was drilling. No, it, w- it well, it might have a different point. Because <clears throat> it sounded like a drilling and, and then that kid was like, oh no, it sounds like someone's trying to break into your safe. And it was like someone was drilling from the outside wall to the inside safe. Oh, I, d- I took that as like the dinging of an alarm in a bank or a, or a jewelry store or something. The whole like, ring, ring. No, I think it was more of a drill sound. And instead of like going out 
the emergency exit that's right beside the safe that leads into the back alley where presumably yeah. someone would drill through the wall into the safe to see who was drilling into the wall. <laughs> this guy just starts emptying the safe. Well, I mean, that's his main priority is what he doesn't care about catching the guy. He like justice. Fuck that. He does not care about justice. He cares about maintaining his physical goods. And in this case, it was the right call because no one was getting into the, the safe at all. It was just this animal yowling. And I can't help but feel a quick peep out the emergency <laughs> exit would have cleared that up. Speaking of that scuba diving scene, though, they take him scuba diving. Uh, forcefully. I can't assume a dog ever willingly goes scuba no, diving. a cat even less so. And unlike when Scooby goes scuba diving, the scuba gear isn't tailored to him being a dog. No. This is just a dog, everyone. Or Nothing crazy is happening with the dog. It's nice that these ten kids yeah. can just have a regular dog. Like, uh, at one... Not a very ill dog like Goober. Yes, the pet... No, Goober <laughs> Goober was different. This pet... Like, at one point, they see a scuba diver in existence and, and go to investigate. But like, like your animal would. Like any animal you own would. So big points for that. For letting the pet be a pet. He eats a pineapple slice, though, and I don't think a dog would do that. One raised in Hawaii? Like, this is not the first pineapple slice that they have been offered. And probably normally, when they get pineapple, it's got a smack of ham to it. So they've just been trained to associate the pineapple and ham together. <laughs> also, the pineapple slice he steals is being cut from a actual whole pineapple that like a seven-year-old girl has carved into with a hunting knife and that's how i should have known that they were honolulu natives that she was able to do that like was like casually the pineapple skin the outer skin is uncut she's just carving out perfect slices like it's almost as if she has a hollowed out a real pineapple and just chucked in a can of dole pineapples of pineapple rings that's what it feels like she's very but skilled but that's a crazy thing to think because hawaiian natives hate the dole company of course they should ruining hawaii they are they should hate the dole company they should hate the american government mark zuckerberg's pretty high up there yes uh, nasa scientists trying to fuck up ancient sacred sites for for telescopes mm -hmm. who should Fat they tourists who should they love to give a positive spin on it. Uh, sea turtles. Hell yeah. Because they saved that dog and or cat. <laughs> uh, what about the man of the hour here? Charlie Chan. Charlie Chan listed as the Charlie Canoodles because all he does <laughs> is fuck. <laughs> and I know it's not alliteration. It should technically be the Charlie Chanoodles. But that... <laughs> Chanoodling just implies so much more because of, of, I don't know. It's like you're specifically seeking out chans to canoodle. Yeah, let's go chanoodle. <laughs> it's his own thing. Yeah, we first see him exiting a room very suspiciously, and then his two eldest children call to him, and he avoids them like <laughs> a plague. And then we learn very quickly that that's not actually Charlie Chan, but I... 
choose to believe that Chan is just always desperately trying to get away from his ten children. My first note here seems to be sneaking around the hotel avoiding his kids. And I'm like, this is a fucking funny dynamic. This is funny if the kids are always up to shit and he's like, no. Why did I chinoodle so much? Exactly. Um, but that's not him. The real Charlie Chan is actually on the beach the whole time. And fashion report, wearing an exceedingly short beach robe. <laughs> like, this beach robe hardly goes past his shorts. It's the kind of thing where, like, you would just see someone... But he's got the shorts on underneath. He does, so that's what makes it better. But he's got, he's got the shorts, he's got the exceedingly short robe, and he's got the big hat. The big hat is a must. That's what takes you from pervert to <laughs> vacation man. They're one and the same. With Charlie Chan. <laughs> hashtag va- Ch- Noodling his way across Hawaii. Charlie Chan, hashtag vacation pervert. <laughs> God, that's gonna be so offensive. I bet this character is beloved. I- um, he's- He's tired. He's soft-spoken. <laughs> he's a man of the people. And he's, he's really unseen throughout most of this episode. Because he gets arrested, obviously, for uh, the sp- suspicions of the doppelganger. Yeah. And so it's mostly the kids in this episode trying to solve things. Since we're watching this as a one-off, I don't know if this is the usual fare. Like, if it's like an Inspector Gadget scenario where the kids do all the work and then the the adult comes in at the last minute. Because Charlie Chan does seem quite capable. At the very end, there is a bit of a twist where there is a setup that he has fully orchestrated. Nothing the kids have done really matters at all. And one of them fucks off completely for the whole episode. The eldest daughter? She does nothing. I swear, <laughs> yeah, I swear we don't see her. Good for her, enjoying this vacation. This hard-earned vacation, possibly ten minutes from your home. The, I, I believe the official Wikipedia synopsis of this is that his children are always hindering his ability to solve mysteries. So it's an anti-Inspector Gadget. Possibly. It's really more of what you would expect. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, don't leave a six-year-old to solve a mystery. Yeah. He is a grand mystery solver, but also these kids. Fuck, man. These kids keep trying. These kids literally. And I'm, I'm muddling here. But at one point, these kids literally pull a stand on each other's shoulders and pretend to be an adult. Yes. Highlight of the episode. Love that they chose a muumuu instead of a trench coat. Because that was, that's very seasonal. It makes him feel like a big fat dynamo. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of Moo Moo's without... Homer Simpson? Without Homer being like, Hey, Mom didn't want you to leave the house in your dress. <laughs> Alright, so... Do you have anything else for Charlie? Or should we move on to his fucking clan? Yeah, I just... I think one other note I had is that he calls his kids an unruly mob. And that's correct. But that's also kind of on you, sir. Or you are raising them. So his ten children are category we titled very simply the Chan clan because this is a clan. This is this is a settlement that he could open and grow <laughs> into its own civilization. Start of a new society 
a new world. Thankfully, they are generally paired up in just two groups or at most of the episode. So we don't have to do a lot of separate notes. No, we've put them all together. There is no alliteration for all of them, of which I will name right now from oldest to youngest. There is, Hen- there is Henry, Stanley, Susie, Alan, Anne, Tim, Flip, Nancy, Mimi, and Scooter. Around Flip, you can tell they started running out of names. <laughs> and, and it's really only Flip and Scooter that have the weird names. But it's like, I did, I did all the boy names I can think of. Flip and Scooter, I guess. That seems, uh, Scooter seems very 70s. Yeah. I feel like there probably were kids being named Scooter. You poor souls. Doesn't one of them own all of Taylor Swift's songs right now? Scooter Braun or something like that? Just a, a, a genuinely real man named Scooter. Well, I know his uncle owns the theater she's always performing in. <laughs> oh, thank you for making a Muppets. <laughs> That's right, I made a Muppets. So we open on them doing a montage of nonsense. Yeah. I wrote down possibly in Hawaii, question mark, of which that was 100% correct. Well, that was my, my at first glance, is that they're just fucking surfing. Like, casual opening. They're, oh, we're surfing right now. I feel like that's something you, you open with more of a pow on. But they started I feel this like there's with... been a couple Scooby-Doo's that have just opened randomly like that. Yeah, but they've made an effort. It's It's been like, whoa, we're surfing. This is like... Yeah, we're surfing. Well, but, yeah, but they're that Hawaii ma- natives. That's the thing. It makes sense now. They're Hawaiian. Locals only. Fucking mainlander. I did, I did the finger thing that a surfer often does, but that doesn't play very well in an audio medium. The youngest, one scooter, who is six years old, has a real fucking attitude. Was arguing with his sister. He's Always threatening his older siblings. Oh, if I was born before you, you'd really get it. I've never met such a belligerent baby of the family. <laughs> yeah. Babies are always... Antagonistic like, older sibling, yeah. Obviously, because we hate you, younger siblings. <laughs> Fuck off. Antagonistic younger sibling, that's new. <laughs> he's, uh, he's always threatening his older siblings, especially the girls. I assume Mimi and Nancy... I don't know who Susie and Anne are. I don't know if they're even animated in this there, episode. It's, it's real hard to watch an episode out of sequence and just jump into ten new characters. He's, he, this kid, Billy, where's he getting these anger issues? I don't know. Well, here's the thing, neglect, okay? I would probably say. I'd probably say it's neglect. I don't, I, I think babies always get it best. I, the oldest sibling is well, the one that, you know, like... Is your favorite. You're not going to tell everyone they're your favorite, but they're your favorite. And then all the middle children are worthless. And then that last one that pops out before menopause <laughs> is the baby of the family forever. But here's, and does get dotted upon. Here's the thing. Maybe Charlie blames him. Blames him for his wife's death. Like, oh, she, she died bringing you into the world! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because this kid's got some serious anger issues. Yeah. Everyone else seems pretty well adjusted. Um, yes, he and he's one of the, the younger group that is all grouped up together. They are very much after the bad guys in this episode. They notice them scuba diving. 
They notice a larger man in a scuba suit that covers his face. And they go, hey, is that Pop? Let's follow him. Hey, that guy's fat enough to pretend to be our father. Let's follow him. And they do. And they do. And one of them almost gets eaten by a giant clam. And then the rest of them get chased by a weird tiki Oh, thing. yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that because I don't know what happened. And then one of them is like a dork smart character. He's got glasses on. He speaks in the way that, you know, like, speak English trope always goes. My, my emotions are becoming quite emotional. <laughs> yeah, he says my emotions and my immediate thought is of Troy from Community <laughs> screaming, my emotions! For me, it just made him seem so robotic. Like, oh, I, I believe I am experiencing sadness right now. Like, he's going to work on ambivalence next week. Exactly. Trying to get these human emotions down. But really, for me, the MVPs of these children are Henry and Stanley. I don't think I'm done talking about the youngest ones Then yet. I will shut my yap. You will shut your yap. We got to talk about Flip and how he is going to bust their pop out of jail. He's going to leave the car running outside. He's going to run in with, like, a gun or something as a distraction. Flip has, yeah. Flip has real scammer energy. He's, he's reminding me a lot of Flim Flam. 100%. Doesn't hurt that they both wear yellow shirts. This is when their father actually begs a policeman to take him away from this unruly mob before they do something drastic. Mm -hmm. But he does also go in and sort of harass a jewelry salesman at one point. So... Flip's always playing the game. That jewelry salesman. This poor man. <laughs> Just getting harassed. Because he has nothing to do with it. He has no part in the no, crime. He just happens to have a storefront pawn shop <laughs> that has two black pearls in the window. Yeah. And these younger kids are like, well, there can only possibly be one black pearl necklace on all of Earth. So this guy obviously has it. And they go in disguised as an adult. Yep. With the nine-year-old girl on top. And he's just like, I, I can't sell black pearls to children. And she's like, I'm 19. My fiancé is going to buy me something. I'd like to see a black pearl necklace, please. And then he's like... Good cover. <laughs> yeah, right? I have to applaud her for not only adding the teen, but then a fiancé on top of that. Like, that was unneeded detail, so very good. This exquisite cover, and the, the salesman's like, I'm sorry, we only have those two black pearls in the windows. Perhaps your fiancé could come back later and buy you them as earrings. And then she just, like, puts her head in her shirt and starts talking. <laughs> he says he only has two! And, and her head pops back out, and she says, okay, we're gonna go home and think about it. We're. We're gonna go home. And then, seemingly, they do, like, a sexy dance for the salesman as they collapse into each other. Yeah. There's this woman, this 19-year-old woman, whose fiance- Oh, good, I'm gonna get a sale when her fiancé comes in. No, then just shimmies away and collapses like a black hole. It's honestly hilarious. Yeah, the more I think about it. Like, holy fuck. I wish Speed Buggy or Captain Caveman or Jabberjaw had done something so exquisitely hilarious. Well, and then... Do you have any else for the younger crowd? No, we can move on to the okay. other. Okay, Henry and Stanley are so my MVPs of this episode. They are like the two boy detectives who are on the case. They're gonna get stuff done. 
Again, ultimately, the kids do nothing. But Stanley in particular. Ooh, Stanley loves a dress up. Stanley at one point is dressed as a tree. And that's a fantastic costume. I think he might just be standing behind a tree. But then he pops out of it dressed as an old man. And he's like, now, I'm gonna uh, fool someone here. Oh, hello, Mr. Security Guard. How are you? Hey, Stanley, how are you? Oh, yeah, he found me out almost immediately. I'll be on my way. <laughs> Meanwhile, Henry, as the oldest, is standing there being like, what do you mean almost immediately? It was immediately. Yeah, <laughs> you it... suck. I hate you. <laughs> like... But they keep solving things together. At one point. At one point, Stanley exclaims, and I'm glad this didn't become his catchphrase, at least for multiple times through the same episode, Slam bam, are we in a jam? Slam bam, are we in a jam? That's actually a fun catchphrase. I don't hate that one. Um, later on, when they are in the Chan van, we, we will talk about this. We will talk in depth okay. about the Chan van. Before the Chan van, they are at a luo following oh, yes. another fat man. Because any man <laughs> who fits their father's fat ass body shape is a suspect. In Hawaii. Yeah, in Hawaii. Let's, let's take a moment here. We're looking for a larger proportioned man in Hawaii. So they're following this dude to a luau. And they're watching him dance with a woman. And they're just like, that woman's obviously his contact. Get in there and break that up so that like they can't hand off jewels or whatever. Stanley gets into a, a, fe- a female clothing. Instantly. Instantly. Zero hesitation. Zero hesitation. He's got that on him, ready to go. He goes out there buffs up this fucking engagement <laughs> ring that like he's the, the man who's dancing with the woman has engaged and yeah. she's just like who's this fucking bimbo over here well if that's how you feel the engagement's off and hands this man back his ring and then presumably the dude who was also you know not a great guy just turns to this new woman who's shown him interest and it's like will you marry me and stanley seemingly says yes because he walks off with the ring yeah I'm engaged! He later on, he says he's engaged. I love Stanley. I think I really love Stanley. Because <laughs> later on, thank you for bringing that up first. Because it is important that we know that first. Because later on, when they're in the Chan van, uh, the one, Henry is yelling out numbers to be pressed. So that they can transform the van into different things. At one point, he's like, two, two! Two, two! Two, two! And then we cut to Stanley, who, during this chase, has now changed into a tutu. And is like, you like this? <laughs> Fucking Stanley, you're a gender fluid icon. <laughs> the, the other thing about this van is, so yes, you press numbered buttons and it transforms into different shapes. Stanley is asked for the first time to start pressing these buttons and he's like, I'll try. Oh, he bit his tongue. For no reason does he bite his tongue there. But he fucking does. And he's just like, oh, I can't do it! Ow! <laughs> I can't press a button, I bit my tongue! Stanley's got just this wild chaotic energy. That's the thing. The second he's, oldest always does. He's, <laughs> mm, Stanley's got that good energy. And do we have anything else for them? For any of the Chan clan? Uh, no. Other than just good for Susie, the eldest daughter, for just fucking off yeah, to have wh- a vacation I wonder this. where she was. <laughs> She was off with the sexy surf instructor or something. She still didn't do as good as Stanley. Stanley got engaged. Well, Susie's not looking for a commitment. She's just looking for a fling. Fair enough. (laughs) 
who are our minor mentions? Th- there were a lot, but I felt like they were incredibly minor. Um, I wrote down three. The There is a maid that first accuses... I would say routinely accuses. Routinely accuses Charlie Chan of stealing jewels out of other guests' hotel rooms. In her defense, I mean, yeah, it's it's Charlie Chan. That's an exact replica of the man. <laughs> Very famous man. However, she goes into the person's room at first when he steals a black pearl necklace, and she pops her head out of that room, and she's like, Stop! Thief! Her black pearl necklace is missing. How would the maid of this hotel know that unless she was going into this room to, like, <laughs> finger the black pearl necklace herself, you know? Yeah. Like... I mean, maybe maybe the woman who was in that hotel room, very chatty, is talking about it, but I got a black pearl necklace. I got it in the drawer over here. I'm very excited to wear it on Thursday. And if it's in a drawer, that still requires the maid to open it, it up. It does. She did check. Open up the necklace box. But admittedly, she saw a man sneak out of that room. So she's like, oh my god, he's, did he steal? <gasps> Let me check. <gasps> he did! No, I think she was trying to steal the black pearl necklace and... The Chan copy just beat her to it. Um, there's then a police officer that is the maid escorts to where Charlie Chan is chilling on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, de- wrote down that he must know Chan personally, which he does, because Chan's a police detective yep. on this police force. And I wrote down that he has to know Chan personally, because there would there's no way in fuck that a white cop is going to be that civil to a person of color that a white woman is accusing of a crime. It's funny, the more we <laughs> talk about it, the more that, like, that information, it all slots into place, now that we're understanding it. Things that did seem crazy as we watched it, now, are getting our context. I do want to give a shout-out to that all-white luau. I think that was apt. That was a very... Ooh, like, let's vacation at the resort and be at the luau. Everyone here's from Minnesota. <laughs> well, that's the primary source of income for a yes. lot of Native Hawaiians, yeah. is to go put on phony luau's for tourists. But I'm just like, okay, yep, check. That seems completely right. And that everyone would go to this luau in three-piece suits and mm-hmm. shit. Yes. Uh, I also have the guy in charge of the hotel who says to Charlie Chan, when Chan's just like, oh, you must want to kick me out, I'm being accused of crimes left, right, and center. And he says, you can stay here until you're proven innocent. You have that backwards, guy. It's innocent until proven guilty. (laughs) Not for Charlie Chan. I trust this man with my life. But that's like saying that you trust him when he's guilty. Yes. I'm... You, th- you think- I'm incredibly loyal. You think personally that all the evidence is stacked against him. He's 100% guilty. But, I guess you can stay in my hotel. I don't trust cops. I assume that there's some sort of frame-up going on. In this hotel, I am the law. <laughs> Me and Charlie Jan. Alright, I don't know who that character is. <laughs> another Eddie Izzard character. <laughs> Mrs. Van Inkley. Another MVP of this episode. Uh, she comes in sporting her diamonds, her pearls, her jewels. The hotel's like, do you want us to lock those in the safe box? She's like, no. Charlie Chan is staying here. They'll be perfectly safe. And I really feel like she expects more of him than he's offered. <laughs> like, just because a man is staying in this hotel well, doesn't mean that he's now responsible. He can take a vacation with his ten children. It's the Poirot effect. Yeah. Poirot was very trusted everywhere he went. 
Murder on the Orient Express, he could have been the one that killed that man, and yet everyone was just like, he's above guilt. He's not. He could have still killed someone. How fucking dope would a rewrite of that be? Because, uh, you know what? I'm not going to go into this because it spoils Murder on the Orient Express, and you still have time to read it. So go read Murder on the Orient Express. That's our recommendation of the week. I personally of Agatha Christie's catalog suggest, and then there were none. I know we were talking about Poirot, but now I want to talk about Agatha Christie. And hey, maybe, you know what? We probably should recommend a Charlie Chan book or two. I'm going to probably seek those out after this. See if he has 10 children. The guy in charge of the hotel, at one point, he dings the bell and he, to call, like, a bellboy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure he calls over a cunt boy. I, I He's think... just like, ding, ding, come here, cunt boy. <laughs> what could he possibly be saying? There's a vague possibility that it was, ding, ding, come here, come boy. Come boy's no come... better. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Van Inkley. <laughs> she needs something. <laughs> Uh, the villain of this episode, the the doppelganger. Charlie Chan lookalike. Yep. Um, so I get dressing as Charlie Chan. I get creating a perfect facsimile so you can appear as Charlie Chan. I get the scuba suits because they are scuba diving. There's underwater nonsense going on. The, the tiki men that are wholly unexplained at the end, I should add. There are, like, at one point, it's he just kind of looks like a, a trapezoid with maybe, like, a Union Jack on him, but also a tiki. <laughs> They're unexplained. <laughs> These are apparently just natural fauna of the islands. Uh, of Hawaii, the rect- rectangular tikis that, you know, if you, if you invade their space, they're very territorial, they're like lemmings. They can't do anything to hurt you. They're just rectangles, but they will still charge at you. Underwater, seemingly just the box, uh, but on on land, grows sprouts legs, sprouts arms and legs, and will chase you, going <laughs> like Nixon is after you. <laughs> what a terrifying prospect! Uh, so yeah, they're unexplained. We, we don't think they have anything to do no. with the theft of the jewelry at the hotel. This is just natural fauna of the islands. The guy who is in charge of the hotel is the one that's stealing jewels under his disguise of Charlie Chan. Yeah, the, the manager, when he is revealed, he looks so ashamed of himself. You know what? He likes Charlie as a person. He doesn't want to besmirch his name, but this, this was just the best disguise. It was the roomiest ensemble. Because like he, he gotta be a big feck guy. Like the children keep pointing you out. T- the kids are the worst. <laughs> the kids honestly are like, what do they call them at one point? They're like, look at that fat so over there. He could be our dad. Bart Simpson isn't as harsh. <laughs> so yeah, his plan was to dress as Charlie Chan and steal jewels. Is this a feasible plan? Um. I mean, no, because disguises aren't ever going to work this well. I also say no, because you are now antagonizing the one man who you know is an expert mystery solver. He's, <laughs> he's betting on the kids fucking it up somehow. Right, but I would, I would bet on them being wholly uninterested. Your ideal scenario is for Charlie Chan to be like, Jewel Thief, 
ah, I'm on vacation. Instead, you dragged him right to the heart of it, and that was mistake number one. Is he scary? It is a fat Chinese man who doesn't even have a gun. I'm going to say he probably doesn't apply to our regular scale. No, no, I would say terror scale, big bolded N slash A for non-applicable. If you need to give him a terror scale, it's zero. Yeah, don't be racist, everyone. Chinese men aren't scary. I mean, they could, they could be, if he had a knife. If he had a gun. Yeah, tonight, yeah, we have both the same thought. But if this was a slasher, potentially, but he's not. He's just taking your jewels. He's just a fat, so, so according do, to his own children. Do what the concierge offers and lock your jewels in the hotel safe. And then you're safe. Do you have any other general thoughts or feelings on this episode? Yeah, the Chan van. Yep. Uh, this is a vehicle that can magically transform into many other things. I know this is your pet peeve. This goes far beyond a pet peeve. This is entering bane of my existence territory. Because Why does every Hanna-Barbera property insist on making vans into magical things that I hate? To reference Inspector Gadget even more. Inspector Gadget, I believe his was like a go from a van to a station wagon or something like that. But you saw it transform. This is on par with Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue. No. Because you press a button and it's a magic school bus. The, the technology of Inspector Gadget is left up to, you know, some discretion. He's yeah. a robot man. There are physics there. Obviously, something like our two universes diverged and this universe is only at, like, iPhones and their universe is at fucking transforming cyborg men. Yes. So you can believe that Inspector Gadget is able to do these things, whereas the the Chan van and Fred's mystery machine and Be Cool, like, they can't do these things. It's, it's unnecessary. And I love absurdism, but there's just something about this that's not right. The magic <laughs> school bus at least had the balls to say it was magic. Yeah. In a science-based television program. Education-based, not necessarily just science. That's true. Well, did they ever do history? I think you could call prehistory history. When they just went to go deal with some dinosaurs and stuff. Okay. Alright, I'll give that asterisk. Um, but here, the Chan Van, they call each of those numbers a Chan Plan. This is a planned transformation that implies some sort of technological effect. And we see it turn into a guided tour bus, a race car... A coal truck, a jalopy, a jeep, and a submarine. Why the fuck is coal truck <laughs> one of them? Who's using coal in Hawaii in the 70s? I understand that like, if you <laughs> just need like a big fucking truck that can fuck you up with some weight. But then coal you, truck. Then you get Furiosa's war rig. Like, Christ, you don't get a truck that's painted up with coal. What if they are on their way to the Wow. And they need some hot coals to put in the pit with the pig. You just use wood for that, don't you? What is coal but hot wood? But hot wood indeed. I hate the Chan Van. <laughs> you hate the Chan Van? Do you hate the Chan Clan? I surprisingly don't hate the Chan yeah. Clan. I 
especially through talking about it, found this rather charming. It comes from a different angle than a lot of Hanna-Barbera does. The fact that it has this sort of Poirot-esque character. And... You know what, looking at the timeline, might have, might have influenced Poirot. When was the first Poirot? I don't know. Yeah. Look into this, historians. Historians. <laughs> Full cast, main cast of people of color. Mm-hmm. And, shockingly, no racism in this one episode that we came upon. Yep. The the music. <laughs> oh yeah, the there music was like a gong every now. There and was again. there was a few points where it was a little like, but Mick, there were also just clips from Scooby Doo's score. Like there were parts where it was like, yeah, but, like, no one was calling the Chinese kids slurs or anything. No, exactly. So. <laughs> that's that's always nice to see. And, like, there wasn't necessarily, like, exceptionalism. It was just a big family trying to get their pop out of a jam. Big family of weirdos. <laughs> Stanley, with your gender-fluid chaotic energy, I salute you. you. Stanley is the character that 2021 needs, and I'm glad that that's where we're starting off. Judgment. Scooby-Doo. Or Scooby-Don't. Keep in mind, the other episode that aired on this day, The Frickert Fracas, was a Scooby-Don't. A Scooby-Don't, absolutely. A Scooby-Don't, under any fucking circumstance, was the Frickert Fracas. So if you were to flip the channel on that and turn on this episode, whose name escapes me... <laughs> Will the real Charlie Chan please stand up? Right. It's a Scooby-Doo. At this point, I might say Scooby-Doo, absolutely. In comparison, but it, this was fun. I'm giving it a Scooby-Doo absolutely. Maybe I'm just trying to start off 2021 on a, on a smiling note, but that's where I'm at right now. Uh, patrons, thank you for sticking with us. 2020 was a heck of a year. I hope you enjoyed this. We hope to be doing more and let us know what you want. If you tell us what you want, chance, like I'm a dancing monkey, chances are I'll do it. It's true. He is a dancing monkey. Just grind your organ at him. He and will I'll, not be able to And I'll resist. grind my organ at you. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I'm chanoodling for you. And on that note. <laughs> that's it from Scooby Doo Us. The Scooby Doo See, we had some troubles, but we got to the dirty joke eventually. <laughs>